And she answered, All your words are but to say you are a woman, and your part is in the house. But when the men have died in battle and honor, you leave to be burned in the house, for the men will need it no more. I am of the house of Aeol, and not a serving woman. I can ride and wield blade, and I do not fear either pain or death. What do you fear, lady? he asked. A cage, she said. Welcome to Keep On Tolkien, guys. Um, I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And we're back with part two on our Women of Tolkien. And we've got a couple guests with us. Yay. Hello, Claire's back. Hi, Megan too. <laughs> and if you guys have no idea who the fuck they are, listen to the part one and you will. <laughs> Don't start with part two ever, guys. Why are you doing that? No. If you're listening to part two first, what are you doing? But Turn also, back. the most important part is the word ladies. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing that you need to know, really. Yeah. They're yeah. ladies and they're super fans. And uh, so you guys should email in more because it'll get you on the podcast. <laughs> yes. <Right on. laughs> no, the reason why these two are with us is because not only are they women, which we needed their opinion on this, mm-hmm. but the reason why we chose these two women is because they are hands down our biggest fans they're so our biggest far. Fans. Mm-hmm. They talk to us all the time. It's great. All the time. The fact that one of them is my sister has nothing to do with it. Nothing at <laughs> nothing, all. Nothing. No. Mm-mm. Nothing at all. All right. All right so so it, yeah. we wanted to we wanted to start off by doing a little more discussion this time around. We wanted to start off about in general uh, the women's experience with the books. Reading an older book like this, I, I like. I like big books. Um, <laughs> I, I like long books. I like and series. I lie, I like, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but this was kind of the first one that I'd read that was really old and had quite the following, you know, and I was kind of like jumping in headfirst. Mm-hmm. And it's the first one I read where it doesn't have prominent female characters in every chapter. They're just not there sometimes. And so I found myself having to identify with other characters because that's what you do when you read a book, or at least that's what I do. I put myself in the story. And luckily there's these hobbits who are little, basically children, kind of. Mm-hmm. And they have curly hair, and they just like to eat, and they're always like up to mischief, and they're fun. And so th- I found myself identifying with them a lot more um, than I think I normally would have if there would have been female characters present. And that gave me a really uh, loving sense for them. Like, I, I kindred spirit, I guess. I, I'm like, oh, the hobbits, because that's what I identify as now. Where, when, like... Eowyn's in the picture I'm like oh hobbits children because I would want to be a shield maiden so it was an interesting experience because usually I kind of stick to one person in the story like in Harry Potter it's like Hermione duh like you're basically her through the whole book and so this one you kind of had to jump around and try on a bunch of different characters Hmm. can I ask Mm -hmm. why do you think you're related to the hobbits rather than I don't know Legolas the Dunedain well to be Literal about it. I have curly hair and I'm quite short. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to be like. No, no. I dressed up as Frodo for a costume contest at work and won a hundred dollars. So nice. like, yeah. No, I'm proud. Um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, that that would be part of it. And I guess just their silly kind of sing songy way because everybody is so sad and mm-hmm. so dashingly good looking and serious, and they're just silly. Yeah. Um, I suppose I like now that I think about that question, 
the hobbits were meant they were literally built to be the relatable characters yeah, yeah exactly. no for sure that's what so never mind I, t- yeah. I received that question <clears throat> yeah like even watching it as a cartoon that's who you're intended to identify with as a kid because that was the audience go sit in the corner joel also they're kind of thrown <laughs> into a world they're, they're thrown into a world that's not their own because they are right. so just yeah. in the shire and so they're experiencing this whole new world so you kind of get to experience it with them and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's i always thought it was funny that that's what it took for tolkien to sell his stuff because he'd been trying to sell his yeah. fantasy stuff for his whole life, and he wasn't able to sell it until he came up with the story with these silly, really Straight. relatable English-like Hobbit characters in this that great, go through in this, his in this huge high fantasy universe. Yeah, that, too, that, like. they, you get to follow them through his universe, and yeah. that's what finally caught people on enough yeah. to actually get into it. I, Somebody I just thought that was reading funny. the Silmarillion, all these gods and elves and men. Fuck. Who the fuck am I supposed to identify with? Yeah. Where are the hobbits? Where are all the hobbits? I, I I hope somebody at one point has picked up the Silmarillion and like flipped through it like, where the fuck are the hobbits? <laughs> <laughs> but growing Spoiler up with them, they even... Don't, they don't mention the hobbits yeah. in the Silmarillion. No, they don't. So. Even as a kid, like, I just enjoyed it with the hobbits, but then as an adult and reading the Silmarillion... Like it really means a lot to you when you do encounter those females. At least it did for me. Like it meant a lot, and so I wanted to hang on to those characters more. But you know, they like we said, Gladriel kind of parks herself throughout the entire first age, and she's gone. And we get a little glimpses of a few here and there, but it's really not their story. Yeah, I don't imagine many of the first age females are any females I would want to identify with either, because they're all really shitty stories. Like they're really sad. Aside yeah, from Luthien. Yeah. All the stories are really... I wouldn't oh, want to identify so with Nino. I wouldn't want to identify with Morwen. I wouldn't want to have to be Idril or Elwing. I wouldn't... I don't know. But maybe that's just me. I'm trying to think of who I... The first stage is just a depressing be. time. But this is, this is a good example because you guys are having to think about it. Because you've never had to put yourself in the position to imagine yourself as anything that's right. not represented. Yeah. And true. it's not it's not your fault. You guys are there, though. Mm-hmm. Especially you, because you're super tall. Like you said, you'd be a short Dunedane, but right. you'd probably still be a yeah. Dunedane. So still be a Dunedane, yeah. it's like you, you've never had to think about it, <laughs> but we automatically know. I don't know. I mean, like, I love... Arendil, for example, he's one of my favorites, but you know, he's a guy, but I love his story and I love who he is and what he does. But you know, I, I mean, I still like him. The fact that he's male doesn't deter that at all, but yeah. it'd be really cool to see some more ladies who mm. had a similar role where they kind of grow along with their quest and they change and they, you know, become wiser. They, they have something that challenges them and they overcome it. So just a character, female character with more character development. Yeah. So like a two, like a two-dimensional character. <laughs> <laughs> well, even just a character, I mean, she doesn't even have to have a backstory or anything. Like Legolas could have been female because Legolas doesn't do shit. Right. Like he's just there. Right. And so it's like, well, why didn't j- just for visibility's sake? Why couldn't he have been a female elf? And then then we could have bitched about how he had no character arc and all that <laughs> stuff. But but at least they're there. You know, for throwaway characters. I, I, okay, he's not a throwaway character, but. You know what I mean? For someone who doesn't have this profound part in the story, it's like, well, why didn't you just make him female? Yeah, no ladies, mm-hmm. no ladies in the fellowship. So are you giving him props for not having made those people female? No. Oh. <laughs> because I think I think it's I all about... I thought you were arguing that he would have made more wasteful female characters. Well, that's what I'm saying. You oh. really can't please me because then if, if Legolas would have still mm. kept on being just kind of a 
right a there even if he character. was a female he was still just a there he character. was there, but at least he was a female character we're talking like a female character on par with Turin so or something yeah. like let that. me pose a question okay. i don't know maybe i just want to play devil's advocate would you be more uh pleased with a story that had a lot of nothing doesn't say much side characters that were females but the main characters were males or would you rather have a story that had one female character in the whole story but she was an extremely well developed character. Mm. Which would be which would be a preference. It's Neither. pretty it's pretty sad that they have to choose. It's basically yeah, the tra- it's basically the traditional <laughs> like uh quantity over quality type deal. Right, yeah. No, it's just sad. It's sad that like Yeah, Danny uh, hit the nail on the head because that's yeah. usually what you get is either a lot of like dumb small characters that aren't fleshed out or one really good one. It's like, yeah, but we it's like the Tolkien black character. Mm-hmm. Tolkien, um, <laughs> but it's like the token black hair. It's like we had a black guy. We're good. It's like oh, we have that one girl, and she 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 does cool stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't need any more. Yeah, it's kind of like, like how people do with Galadriel. Oh, but Galadriel's an awesome, but she doesn't. I mean, she doesn't do a whole ton. Yeah, she is awesome. She's mm-hmm. got prestige and she's got power, but she's not really. I don't know. She doesn't have an arc. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I would rather have more minor characters um, just littered about and then have the main characters be male. I'm kind of fine with that. It's just a, a visibility thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Personally. But uh, then I, it's hard not to compare it to other things and I think of things like Harry Potter, which those were based on boys. And yeah, Hermione was around and Ginny was around and they have some other female characters. But those for the most part were based on boys. But we can still find female characters in every chapter. Mm-hmm. So Fair enough. Also a story written by a woman. So it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But that's an interesting thing too, because it's all about boys and it's about boys growing up and probably had nothing. And also, didn't she? I don't know if this is true or not. I heard this. She went by J.K. because she didn't want people to know she was a woman, right? I think so. Yeah, like young boys wouldn't read her book. Yeah. Same with uh, S.E. Hinton. You ever read uh, The Outsiders? No. Yeah, that's also written by a woman, but it's a story about like 1950s uh, street gangs. Oh, dude, that's where the greasers. Yeah, the, the socials and the greasers. Socials yeah, yeah. and the greasers. Yeah. yeah, it's all dudes. Yeah, there's one girl, and her name is Cherry. Cherry. But that's what do you think that means? <laughs> I think I did read a statistic. This is, this is for, for family movies show. specifically, but um, I think for every one main female character, like as the heroine of the movie, there are like three and a half men. Like equivalents, so it's just it's seventy five percent of the movies have men as like the main character. Even you're talking about movies in general. Movies in general, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then even though your audience is not even remotely that high, it's have, way more women too. Have you ever heard of the? I think it's called the. I don't know, might be mispronouncing it or not. The Bechtel test. Bechtel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've heard of that. So many movies fail that shit. Oh, so many. So and many. Like so modern day movies fail that stuff. I had never even considered to look at movies. From that perspective, until I read about that test, yeah, and it blew my mind how there pretty much characters? every movie I loved failed that test. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I- explain what that is. Just so, like, uh, I know one of the rules is there has to be two female characters that have names that talk to each other about something that's not a man. Yep. And while many exactly. movies, like some movies, succeed, some movies also fail. But although it's interesting, is that some of the movies who do succeed only succeed on that one interaction, and that's it. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie could be a misogynistic, horrible trash but pile. But hey, it passed the Bechdel but test. But it passed the Bechdel <laughs> test. So, I mean, it's, it's a really good thing to talk about. It's still a litmus test. But yeah. And I had, there was a question I was going to ask you guys, because does Tolkien pass the Bechdel test? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I don't think there's ever a point where, where I could even think to argue no. that it would I pass. I mean, most Do of the time when women are talking, it's about 
male characters. But also, and if it's a woman talking about a woman, they're usually talking to a male character. Yeah. I was gonna say there's no two women that talk to each yeah, other. I didn't think so. Maybe the, the only Melian and Galadriel, maybe, but oh. I don't remember any of their dialogue specifically. Right. Right. I don't think that Tolkien ever expanded on any woman on woman conversation even like neonor and uh, her mom don't really talk <laughs> and when they do talk to each other it's about Turin. it's about Turin. yeah yeah, yeah you're so. right isn't that funny when you're always like there i know this movie I, I i do this all the time i know this movie that has two female characters with names and then i'm like thinking of dialogue scenes with them and i'm like shit they're always talking about male characters yeah, exactly. damn it yeah there aren't even enough female characters in tolkien for two of them to be talking and then talking about the one that's not there like the mm-hmm. likelihood of yeah and, and that was a really paper low. i was reading where they said most of the time people fail that test because they just don't have enough women for it to pass. Which is right. sad because you need three. And they can literally, <laughs> they can literally go talk about lunch. Like you know, it just has three. to not be a dude. Yeah, yeah. they just like, need to talk about something else. Like there was a scene in some movie they were talking about work together. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, all you need is two. Yep. Like you just Joel, two, two uh, women. Twelve Angry Men, right? Yeah. Oh, there's no female character. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Two of your favorite movies, Joel. What, are you some sort of sexist? Yeah. Wow. Sure. It's all Lawrence about of, it, man. Lawrence of Arabia has no female uh, characters with names. There's one female speaking role, and that's at Lawrence's funeral in the beginning of the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 12 Young Men just straight up doesn't have any female characters at all. Actually, there is a witness who we see a brief oh, flashback really? of who is an old woman but I don't think we get to see any dialogue. No. Anyway, Joel's super sexist. Yeah. But the thing is also, I'm thinking of other, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other uh, movies that are heavy with female leads and stuff like that. I, the first thing I thought it was Bridesmaids. And I was like, oh, that yes, it's yeah. a comedy and it's good and the girls in it are awesome. The women in it are great. But I'm thinking of the first a couple scenes. It's Kristen Wiig and um, Maya Rudolph and they're talking about her hookup with a dude. And then they go to like sneaking on that yoga class in the park. And then they're like talking about other stuff. But even that whole movie is about a wedding. It's about a relationship and it's about their relationships with men. And it's even that. And some movies that are supposed to be pinnacles of, you know, feminism, everything. They don't pass the Bechtel test. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a lot to ask for the time frame that he wrote the books in. But still. Yeah. I think that. I mean, I'm not speaking for all opinions, but just based on... Because I still love everything that he's written. And I think that for... You know, we're all products of the the, the kind of the culture and the time that we were raised in. And I think that for him, those... Attributing those sorts of qualities to women was supposed to be really great. Because I know that he was supposed to be Catholic and the Virgin Mary was this epitome of feminine beauty and I think that's what he tried to capture and I think for him that was special. Yeah. Me and uh, the the dude that actually edits the podcast the other day we were um, talking about Tolkien's views. The dude has a name. So we actually came up with an Elvish code name for him. Do it. It's Ruatan Linesse, which means the man with many names. Oh, see, that's So when we were talking to Ruatan. When we were talking to Ruatan Linesse, um, we we talked about how Tolkien's attitudes toward women are sexist, but not misogynistic. Mm -hmm. In, like, in the way that, like, he'll put women up on a pedestal and, like, uh, he reveres the shit out of women. Like, you you can't read the Tolkien without, you know, sensing his reverence for for women. But at the same time, isn't that kind of sexist to revere all women? Right. There's no equality A lot of the stuff I was reading is that he was very respectful for women based on what the idea of chivalry was in Mm -hmm. his day, which was in itself sexist. Exactly, yeah. So he was being polite in the way that he knew how at the time. Yeah. like being chivalrous towards right. women. Yeah, I mean, in the same sense that, like, 
Jane Austen was a huge, like, she was way beyond her years. Even though all of her books were all about marriage and all about everything, but she still wrote her characters in a way that gave them more autonomy than what the circumstances kind of allowed, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I guess it would be a lot to ask for anything more than what he gave. Because like you're saying, it, it wasn't misogynistic. It was very respectful and in a, in a good light. And I think being women of the 21st century, we're just like, well, I I stink and I fart and I work. I right. know I run around and and so you're like, well, why am I not, why am I not represented? But then if he depicted women as these like smelly, nasty, like unrefined characters, I would be like, oh, excuse me, I am a, I am a queen. Like yeah, so so I, I feel like it. He just it would have been a lot to ask, but I think the best way to do it is just show everything, right? Yeah. Show all all colors and all types and. That's why I like Sheila, because she's the one lady who's just, she's evil and no explanation. She's yeah. evil and she knows it. She's evil and she knows it. <laughs> so while we're actually on the subject of some characters again, I, I want to pose another question. Um, how do you think that Peter Jackson did adapting the female characters from the books to the movies? Well, yeah, he expanded on Arwen, gave her a lot more identity than she did in the book. And I think I had mentioned in the previous episode that I feel like Arwen was essentially the same, which was good because she kept that, you know, her own identity. Yeah, I was happy with what he did with her in the movies compared mm -hmm. to the books. I was very disappointed in the books. So I, I think that because he took out, um, was it Glorfindel? Glorfindel. He took out Glorfindel. And if you're going to take him out, do it to bolster a, another main character. Right. I'm glad that they cut out Glorfindel for... For a good reason. Right. It, at least it wasn't <laughs> least. just a throwaway, like, yeah. other unnamed elf. You yeah. Know, that's that's how I feel That would it. be a travesty. I, I get it that they were trying to give Ar uh, Arwen more of a part. And to introduce Lurfindel would have just been awkward anyway, because he doesn't have much to do with. Right. Right. It's like the Tom anything. Bombadil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Gladriel, I thought, was spot on. Yeah. Kate Blanchett mm -hmm. was great. Everything was as I expected. Kate Blanchett is Galadriel, as far she as I'm is, concerned. She is, yeah. There's two characters like you know, like uh, like Gandalf and and Galadriel. Like they, mm -hmm. Ian McKellen is Gandalf. Yeah, right. Uh, Where Galadriel does the actor is, start and the is, character is. end? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's not even that good of an actor. He just gets on stage and does it like himself. Mm. And it's it's everyone eats it up. Yeah. Yeah. It works. And it's funny because I've I've seen a quite a few Kate Blanchett movies and I'm a pretty big fan of hers outside yeah. of Lord of the Rings yeah. but if I ever met her I would just be like Gladriel like speak to her uh, as well, uh, the uh, Elen Sela Lumen Omentielvo a, a star shines on the hour of our meeting right speak to her in Quenya butter her up that's how you meet Kate Blanchett <laughs> Flasher, your uh, ring of bear here. Yeah, got your brother's ring right here. <laughs> I don't know if she knew what she was signing up for when she took that role. No, I doubt it. Yeah. No. Um, I thought Eowyn was great. Um, I especially enjoyed the extended editions when you see a little bit more interaction mm. with her and Aragorn because she makes him soup and it's really bad. It's yeah. gross. I it's love really that scene. Yeah, because she's not a homemaker and mm -hmm. she's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. here's some soup. Yeah. yeah. It, and yeah. I love that scene too because well, not only that, that's the scene where uh, the only mention of Aragorn being a Dunedain is in that is in that scene. And you find out his age. Yeah, and you find out he's eighty-seven years old. Yeah. That yeah. that scene is exactly how I was able to get that last yeah, trivia at, question. At, uh, at trivia, Joel clenched uh, in one-on-one. -on -one, he uh, clenched a trivia night um, at a local... To break the tie. Yeah, at a local... Uh, what was it? Wandering North Distillery, right? Check them out, yep. guys. It was a cool place. And I would have totally bombed. I had no idea that I was walking up to do trivia because <laughs> if I had known that, we would have sent Danny up there. <laughs> but I got up there because I thought we were just going up to like accept a tie award. Yeah, I that's what I, I thought, too. I didn't know that they 
they were going to go for a, like, they were a tiebreaker. Like, face off. I hope they sent their dumbest person up there. That's what I hope. They're like, you, Jeremy, go get it. Jeremy's a dumbass. He's, Damn it, like, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I stood up in front of entire trivia night thinking I'm like accepting something. Then they're like, tiebreaker question. And then me and Danny just made eye contact. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then they're like, what? was the age of Aragorn when he first met Frodo. And then this scene pops in my mind. And she's like, 70? Well, you cannot be 80. And then he's like, 87. That's exactly what popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it won us that trivia competition. <laughs> yeah! I was going to kick Joel in the balls if he didn't get that question right. <laughs> well, because they weren't even asking you to be uh, accurate. They yeah, were, they, they were just it was just a whoever ballpark. would be yeah. closest. Yeah, whoever wow. would be closest. And Joel got it right on, man. You should have just um, re- replayed that dialogue that you just did for us <laughs> in or, the in the accent as our Eowyn. <laughs> and then for the entire distillery. Yes. <laughs> the entire trivia night crowd. Yes, that would have got yeah, you Yeah, you so do much. the Eowyn and then me across the room. 87. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 87. Um, You're one of the Dunedain. Okay, to get back to it. Yeah. How do you feel... About Tariel. Oh, Ooh. please, please. Yeah, that's the right answer. She was the added gal in The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Yep. I could and never remember her oh, name I'm either. Tariel. Oh, did you say who? I was like, who? Who? <laughs> I and Claire okay. are related. Neither of us can remember her name. <laughs> because they did they did a whole episode about, that. well, it was the first couple, right? And how they would never get together, her and that, was it Keely or Phoebe? Keely. Keely yeah. would yeah. never dwarf, get together yeah. and all this stuff. But just her as a character, what do you think? I mean, uh, it put me on the spot. I didn't Sorry. get to think about this before. But, I mean, Peter Jackson's done such a good job in Lord of the Rings with kind of bolstering up the female presence mm-hmm. in a nice way. Mm-hmm. You'd but think. But then he adds this fake character, and her only contribution is her love triangle. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, well. That's my thing with it, because I see what he was trying to do. And a lot of people are like, oh, he shouldn't have added anybody in, blah, blah, blah. Stay. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is because nobody, there are no women in that one. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to add somebody in. And then he completely undercut himself by making her a love interest and nothing more. She was a captain yeah. of the guard. She was this badass who was doing her own thing. And like, just make her a captain of the guard who like helps out Legolas and is is doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, make her asexual for all I care. Yeah. But instead, they gave her this love triangle. And that was what I think everybody hated about it. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of the character. And I think the casting was great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they butchered it. Totally. And she even requested, I heard, because she was in a very famous love triangle from Lost. Yeah. And she got a lot of hate mail from it. And so she said, I'll be in this, but don't put me in a love triangle. And they did it exactly again. And she was like, really? Because now I'm just the girl who's always in a love triangle. And this this might be, I don't know, at least among us Tolkieners, this might be the most hated love triangle of all time. It's stupid. <laughs> it's so... It's horrible. It's to say, it, Hank Hill, it's asinine is what it is. <laughs> So on the subject of the characters, what's everyone's favorite female character? Luthien, hands down. Shelob. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I just love Luthien. It's so pretty, and I just love reading that story, and I don't know. It was just so poetic to me. And You should really you should, uh, read some of, the, some of the lay of Luthien. It's kind of long, but yeah. if you read some of the excerpts from it, it's just super gorgeous. I think you dig it a lot. Yeah, I just like, the, I think the scenes he describes of her using her power and then her in the halls of Mando singing just like made me ball like a baby. And I, I just really liked it. Yeah. I mean, aside from my, you know, misgivings of her character in general, I still like her a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, mine's Shelob, and if you want to know why, listen to the other episode, if you haven't already. Yeah, we had a little a good conversation yeah, about Shelob. she's my favorite. Yeah. I, I also very much like Goldberry, 
because they're both they're kind of the same in my mind in that they're just how they are because that's how they are and they're just themselves because Goldberry's kind of wishy-washy and she's Ooh, I, I wish you could see my hands right now. They're kind of just <laughs> flapping, but she's flailing. Quite she's a bit. flailing. Yeah, she just kind of flails around, and so I, I liked her a lot too. But um, yeah, she loves my favorite. What about you guys? I would say so. My female character is more um, not that like she's uh, uh, has a, a ton of dialogue or material, but the idea of her is my favorite. I might be stealing Joel's right now. Let me see, Nienna. Oh no, that's not who I was. Oh, say. cool! I didn't steal it from him. Uh, I, I was like, I was certain I was going to steal his. Nienna, the uh, the the Vala uh, of sorrow and grief. She's the one that constantly weeps for all the sorrow in the world. Me and Joel actually, when terrible things happen in our real life, we actually say to each other, "Nienna weeps." Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but yeah, I love I love Nienna. I love that she suffers for everybody essentially and that all the terrible things just so you know every time something terrible's happened there's somebody crying about it and uh she's always there for us and uh one of the cool the not so cool things she does is she lets melkor out remember yeah well she argues for his release yeah know? she's she uh like john adams defending the uh boston massacre troops she defends him for whatever reason because she sees it to be uh the right thing to do I mean, you can argue that maybe it was the right thing to do. Was it, Joel? Maybe all the people that died in the War of Wrath would uh, would argue that I it was I didn't wasn't. say it was the smart thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people died, Joel. Let's keep it serious, right? So I'm kind of torn on my favorite female character. It's kind of between Luthien and Galadriel. Mm. Yeah. Because I really like Luthien, and I really like Melian yeah, also. Melian's awesome. Originally, I was thinking between the two of them, but... Galadriel is essentially Melian 2.0 for like the third age right, stuff, yeah. and there's just more material on Galadriel. I really like her character. Mm-hmm. She she's deep into it all, and she has a hand in a few things. But Luthien's also just badass as hell. The, yeah, like copycat. Yeah, like uh, we said, well, in a, like I said in the last episode, she's definitely the bravest character in all of Tolkien. Yeah, she's. I mean, she like we said, she single handedly takes down Melkor. She's one of the only ones to do that outside of. Ungoliant. And all his minions, too. She's just like, yeah. oh, I'm moving entire The entire throne room. She dances them all to fucking sleep, and he falls right off his throne. She went to Angban, down into his throne room in front of him, and put him to in sleep. In a bat suit. Yeah, in a bat suit, wearing the skin of one of his other thralls, <laughs> yeah. and oh, put him uh, to sleep, and his entire throne room took his crown and pried his Silmaril out and just dipped. Yeah. I feel like this is just a lesson to all ladies, like, go get yourself a bat suit. <laughs> yes. Don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate yourself wearing the bat suit. You don't need to carry a tune. Just, just start it. screaming, just and you know, <laughs> people might fall over. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I love that that scene. Uh, it's so great. I love when she's like, "I've come to dance for you. Surely even a dark lord such as yourself must need dancing." And he's like, "Not really." Yeah. <laughs> no. In that. In that, I love the entire. But go for it. The entire part of the story that takes place from them getting to Angband to them leaving Angband is awesome because we never really see any stories of what it's like when people are in the evil lord's right. lair. Yeah, he's and they went in the to the room, biggest yeah. of the evil lords to his main lair down where he is, and they describe the descent as just being super spooky and creepy. Spooky, and, yeah. Well, doesn't she kind of like? They get down there, and she's like, oh, shit, we're going to die, so might as well try this. Doesn't Is that kind of how it goes? Or did she plan on doing that from the get-go? 
they they were kind of flying by the seam of their pants. Okay, I think they had some idea because that's well, cool she, too. She had like made that cloak of sleeping. And all she that made stuff. it originally she, to get out to get though, out of to yeah. leave where she was originally trapped. And then from she was probably like this is part hella, of the story. This is hella useful. I'm yeah, yeah. but they cool. made it all the way down into this spooky place, and they actually describe all of it. And then they get down there, and she's dancing in front of Melkor, and like Danny said, she she tries to like play it off as oh. I am pissed off at my father, so I'm just going <laughs> to come help you. Surely even a lord as yourself needs entertainment. And he straight up says no. Yeah. He looks at her and he's like, no. And you know what she does? But go ahead she anyway. She does it anyway. <laughs> and then at that point, there's a quote that says that uh, Melkor had some of his darkest the, thoughts the he's ever had yeah. since he destroyed the trees. Yeah. And it's not known what he was thinking about because shortly after that she fucking put him to sleep. Yeah, but, but I pervert. bet it was I bet it was fucked up. Whatever it was. Every time I read that part of the story, I get shivers because it's just such a so tense. Do it's you think? Crazy. Ooh, I'd love to explore that. Hmm. Hmm. Let's unpack it. Um, <laughs> okay. Because mainly, well, no, I, because when you are just now talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's because she deliberately disobeyed him. He's like, no, I don't need you. And then she dances anyway. And like, if I were used to being all powerful and mighty, I would be like, oh, this bitch is going to fry. Like, I would be so mad that somebody just deliberately disobeyed me in front of all my friends. Yeah. But then it could also be in a I should I should nature. state that it actually wasn't a disobeyment. He told her to go ahead. Yeah, he was oh, like, he okay. was like, okay, he, he, out. yeah, oh. she was like, I'm sure even you evil lords down here need some sort of like entertainment and dance. And he's like, no, we don't. But go ahead. Oh, okay. That's different. Yeah, then it is just, a little creepier. Then. It's just a statement yeah. of like, we'll he, watch yeah. yeah, he's just so <laughs> fucking evil. He's like, no, we don't need any fucking entertainment down here. Oh, but he's probably just rubbing his stomach the whole time. Mm. <laughs> that's that's what I don't dancing. know. I don't know. I think he would have a six pack. I always think really evil people <laughs> are just kind of yeah. scrawny and like spidery. Well, wasn't he like huge? Yeah, they say I guess he, like, it depends <laughs> on what form he took. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was huge. Yes. Um, I was trying to think of a of a joke, but I couldn't. <laughs> Can't I mean, follow. Like, a joke he's like, like that. twelve feet tall. Yeah, or yeah. something like that. He's supposed to be massive. Yeah. yeah, anywhere from like twelve to twenty feet tall, probably. Somewhere, you know. I mean, because we decided that the crown was too heavy to carry, right? That's what Plus we decided. Yeah, because he's Keep massive. on Tolkien Podcast decided in that episode yeah. that the crown was too heavy to carry, that they didn't just take all three of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have something that I noticed. Okay. And I don't know if it's super relevant, but it was kind of a, the feminine experience. As I mentioned before in the first uh, the first episode, I was part of a feminine Tolkien book club and um, really fun. But we were reading this book. Um, we finished it last year. And so we were reading it in 2016 and 17. And around the time that the Ents march um, on Isengard, that was right after the Women's March. And it was oh, really? incredibly profound to that me. time's up. It Good. was... It was perfect, and so I. It, and it was funny too. I should mention this book club was um, four women around like mid twenties, all kind of from the Midwest, and we all have about the same. We have the same education level, so we thought we would line up on a lot of things. And it was so incredible how many different things people can pull from the text, and we are like people from the same background. You know what I mean? It was it was cool. Everybody should do a book club especially feminist book club. But um, anyway, so so afterwards, I said, "Well, did anybody else think of?" 
think of this and they're like, oh my God, no. And I said, well, it just seems so prominent because not only do they just, they're all of a sudden, they make kind of a snappy decision and they're like, nobody else is going to do this for us. So we're just going to fucking do it. And then they start marching and so many trees show up. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to that march and thinking like, oh, this will be like just this little thing. And I, we showed up and I was like, this is a movement. This is, it was powerful. And then even more so, they're going to march on Sauron, Saruman, and he used to come to the forest and talk to them. And now he has betrayed them and cut down their peers and the trees that they love. And it was the whole women's march was based on, you know, this there was somebody who we thought was our champion and was caring for people who were underrepresented. And then there was somebody replacing that person who was gonna take all that away. And so it was just it really resonated with me. And uh uh, it's funny too because like uh like you said the the march of women versus the march of the ants it's kind of one of those moments when like you didn't realize how many angry trees there were until they were marching down the street yeah. you know what i mean like you also didn't notice how many angry women there were until they were marching down the street in yeah. all, all the major cities in the country you yeah. know yeah so many ants so many ants yeah and, and, I mean, and they're overlooked. Both ants, like trees and women, are overlooked in society, right? Yeah. 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 And I think that's when you know you you done fucked up is when it's like, oh, the trees are marching yeah. against you. Yeah. It's like we got moms out here with their double strollers, and they're like, fuck you. Yeah. But that's when you <laughs> know you po- did. It. They skipped yoga to be here. Like, <laughs> the hidden power has been awoken. Yeah. So there's a there's a really cool part of the two towers that I like were uh, right after the Battle of Helm's Deep. It's really cool because they talk about. The uh, who the horns the horns yeah the horns come unlooked for because Gandalf bid them to, and uh, not only did they just win this massive assault that they thought they were going to lose, but all of the orcs that fled to run away ran into the woods, and the horns killed every last one of them. And then took their bodies. They took and the left. bodies. Yeah, yeah. That the yeah, part we, we talk about that creepy. is the Aragorn the fact, episode. Yeah. We take a minute to talk about the fact it, like. that they took all of the bodies and then just left. Like they thought that they were about to get destroyed by this massive army, and then all of a sudden the Huron show up, kill all of them, take their bodies, and leave. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the fuck was that? We didn't even know trees could walk, let to alone yeah. to nature. They shall return. Right, man. When Yavanna really wanted to defend nature. Yeah. She was fucking serious. Yeah, man. She delivered. Yeah, for real, though. So can I read a little excerpt from the ends? That, that was the, the just the cherry on top. Yeah. Um, Treebeard says, but if we stayed at home and did nothing, doom would find us anyway, sooner or later. That thought has long been growing in our hearts, and that is why we are marching now. It was not a hasty resolve. And that's also, like poignant about the women's march was like this was a long time coming that we right. there was yeah. a lot of build it up just to that. took it took seeing a forest of our peers being cut down for us to be like okay we're gonna just do this yeah. and that's anyway that this was that's that, that moment yeah the yeah aha moment what do they say uh gandalf says the like 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 what does he say pippin and mary are like small stones that begin an avalanche right yeah mm-hmm. it's like that moment those that's small stones the, that start an avalanche. the best things about finding an awesome book is when it hits you that on such a personal level. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I don't know if I would have noticed it if it wouldn't have just happened like the week before. Timed up like that. Yeah, but that's it was really cool. Oh man, the stars aligned. <laughs> oh man, when the story starts to become your life. Right? Yeah. That's when you get into it. Okay, so on the list of characters that I had, there are a few that were not on my honorable mentions. The ones that I thought deserved more discussion would be um Idril and Elwing from yes. the first age. Israel being um, 
Tuor's wife, but also the mother she, of Eärendil, right? Yep, and Turgon's she was daughter. one of the one of the royalty in Gondolin, and she was the one who set up that tunnel because what what did she have like a not a premonition, but kind of a feeling that something wasn't she, yeah right. because that was when um, Turgon had accepted the uh, like the new way of things when he was like we're gonna shut ourselves inside here, nobody's coming in or out, and she was like, well, that means if somebody gets in. This is a death trap. Like, we're all going to die here. Yeah. Right. And you so. also got to think that Idril's husband, Tuor, his whole destiny, his whole purpose for getting to Gondolin was to give them the warning that, message. That message, the warning it's message. It's time to go yeah. because this is going to fall. And then that's when the king has this prideful moment. He's like, nah, we're just going to fat down up here, yeah. and hold up here. And I, I'm pretty sure that's where Idril knew that, hey, we mm-hmm. should leave. Again, women being the smartest people in the room at times. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the movie or in the book. But she's awesome because she, you know, she has the foresight for that. Mm-hmm. And she helps lead the exiles to safety afterwards, yeah. too. Yeah, she's the one that leads them through her hidden paths out from, there was like a tunnel under their house or something that like led them out to the plains and then up into the mountains. And She does forget to bring baby Arendil's sword, though. Can you really blame <laughs> it on her? Listen, she forgot it in the diaper bag. That's a that's the whole uh, the keep on Tolkien theory. Well, I suppose it's a my theory. I don't know if Joel subscribes to it or not. That I'm Sting is the blade of Baby Arendil. It was left there. Did you mention this on another episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. Sting, it's Arendil's blade. And then Elwing, the other one, she after Dior had died, she took one of the Silmarils and protected it and escaped. So she is one of one of the reasons why Arendil got it in the first place. Because right. She yeah, because because they snuck it out of uh, out of Doriath. Yep, and then she so was like the one Sam who Sam is one of the ring bearers. Uh, when mm-hmm. they like sacked the little uh, waterside village the, uh, the exiles the f- were at, the havens of Syrian. Yes, yeah. she flew to him. I think wasn't it the Silmaril who kind of kept her together and alive? Well, because she threw herself yeah into the into the ocean with yeah. it, and so uh, she yeah. helped him. And then again, she's still a helping character, but I still think she's cool. And they sail to um, Valinor together. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I suppose she is one of the only human women she is the only human woman to ever set foot in valinor yep and they get to choose to be the children the first children or the second and they stay in valinor forever and she turns into a bird sometimes that's and cool. that's exactly how her two sons elrond and elros, and elros get the decision and that's mm-hmm. why that's when elrond decides to stay an elf and that's when elros decides to go on to be man he becomes king that goes on to be with the uh Kings of Numenor. The Numenorians, yeah. And that's where we get Aragorn. That's mm-hmm. how Aragorn is like the great, 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 great nephew of, of Elrond. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. Going full circle. Yeah, I just thought those two ladies deserved a mention. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to just make this about the men again. You did. I no. totally Joel. did. Just <laughs> you just do it without oh, realizing man. that. Look at that. Look at that, Joel. What a chauvinist. <laughs> so I wanted to have some fun and... Uh, We did some research online, and we found some cool statements from some other people who had actually researched into the same subject, women and Tolkien. And we thought it'd be fun to throw out some some quotes and excerpts and and get people's opinions. So I'm going to start with a quote. Can I do this one? Yes. This one's my favorite. I just really want to do it. Okay. So according to Dr. John Miller, author uh, author and professor at uh, National University, he argues that even the War of the Ring is defined by masculinity because it is, it is quote, is a war of phallic edifices contesting for and threatened by the power embodied in the symbol of the feminine, the ring. So, and I never thought about this. 
until it's all a bunch of dicks yes. fighting over the ring. Yep. And it's all like they they all live in towers too. That was the thing. These the phallic, phallic yeah. yeah, these towers. Orthanc, uh uh Tower of uh you know uh Ministerith. Baradur. Baradur. These are all towers, which are penises, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So phallic. They're so all phallic, phallic, yeah. I don't know, when I read this question, I was like, I don't know, I never really thought about that. And I never thought of the ring as being gendered in any way, I guess. I well, didn't it's, either, it's but I thought this would be a hell of a question. I think it's symbolic that it's a circle in the, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a... Well, I, I guess if you're looking for it, you'll find it wherever. Because I'm thinking of it now, and I'm like, our whole world is a bunch of phallics. Like, my car looks like a phallic. Like, yeah. I, and I, I, but then I get in it, so is it, is it, you know, yeah. I don't know. What's I, happening? Yeah, I, I kind of so don't believe in the uh, the symbolism of no. seeing dicks everywhere. No, you I just poo-poo don't on this. I poo poo on this 100. Yeah, that's. I felt the same way when I was thinking. I was even talking to my husband about. It. I was like, I guess if you think about it on the most like, I don't know. It's just men are but dick also, obsessed, man. But We're also, it, and that's what it points me out. Like, are you just thinking about your dick all the time? Because technically, yeah. if if their fingers, they're fighting over the ring, so their fingers are the dicks. I have ten right here. And then two so, two people get their dicks chopped off because of the ring. Yeah, yeah. they're finger dicks. <laughs> they're emasculated. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know I don't know if that really checks out. Galadriel also wants the ring. We saw that she would assumingly wear it on her phallic finger. On her phallic finger. <laughs> so I just I I yeah, think this one I was like. Ah, I so Doctor John Miller, the ladies disagree. I thought it was a fun little. I thought just it was a, a fun little way to look at the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I would just say, if you're looking for dicks, you'll find them. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's Come right. at me, Doctor Miller. What? Yeah. <laughs> I guess this episode was all about pointing out everything but the dicks. But Keep on uh, talking podcast at gmail.com, Doctor Miller. <laughs> Hit us up. So another fun little uh, little quote by another professional, according to Professor Frederick McBride, who is a professor, uh, excuse me, a professor of uh, political science at Georgia State University. Professor Frederick says, "Quote." Tolkien based more than one female character on his own veneration for the Virgin Mary. Not the earthly, living mother of Jesus, but the distant yet uh, matriarchal comfort of an interceding goddess. Uh, For examples, he went into the heroines of Arwen, Galadriel, Goldberry. They all possess wisdom, power, and a status that is not diminished by their respect for their husbands. Uh, Also goes into Arwen and Galadriel are of the great elven descent. And Goldberry also possesses powers related to nature, and all three transcend boundaries between the material and spiritual world. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's very typical to portray women as being, I mean, they'll have this prestige or they'll have this beauty. They'll have these really awesome, notable characteristics to them, but they still lack a a key participation in the plot that's similar to their male counterparts. Or they'll participate in a way that treats them as a plot device or as a launching point to further the male and his own personal development. And one example I always think about, and I, I don't know, but it's with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt in the movie Edge of Tomorrow. <gasps> Love that. Where oh, okay, she yeah. she's Edge like this amazing guru. She's mm-hmm. like super powerful, super knowledgeable. But her only role is to teach him, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he can reach his full his potential, power, his greatness. Yeah. Yes, and so that's all she is. She's a tool, and that's how I see a lot of these women. Even though they're still great for their own reasons, but they're mm-hmm. they're still like tools, I yeah. suppose. Mm-hmm. 
I guess that that one didn't bother me as much because she was the expert. And well, she like, had yeah. done that. We just gonna start talking about it yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. She, because <laughs> she had done the whole thing at mm-hmm. Verdun, that, and she mm-hmm. had like lost the power or right. whatever, right? Well, yeah. and I think of it kind of like a, a what would that be like a master and like the little grasshopper, the, like the learner, right? Sure. And we see that relationship can be flip flop too, because in Kill Bill. Um, she's the student and there's a male master. And I don't know, that didn't bother me then either. But mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, but she's typically the, the people who are in those roles would be a lot of times the women. They don't have the right. same, I guess, because the, the men have like an arc. They have a, a yes. rising and a falling and they grow and they change as they you know go through the story. Whereas the woman is kind of just there to be like the, the stepping stone to, yeah. to get up there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So women are either trophies and something to propel you forward on your adventure or they're stepping stones to also propel you forward on your (laughs) adventure. Either way, use them up, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's that's terrible. But to channel (laughs) the conversation a little bit, (laughs) back to Professor Frederick's original statement. Do you believe, would you guys agree that Tolkien based a lot of his female characters on his own veneration for Mary? Well... He he mentions in here that they have powers that are non-worldly and that Mary was a goddess. And that's a very Catholic way to think of it, which he was Catholic, right? right. I definitely um, wouldn't have personally associated any of their powers as anything related to a, a, a Virgin Mary type goddess. Well, that's... No, I don't see it. Uh, me and Joel yeah. have talked about this and we grew up Catholic and uh, so... Uh, well, I suppose, did you? were you Catholic? No, I. so I wasn't Catholic. And so that whole um, saint, you know, worshiping saints and mm-hmm. praying to saints and having well, they, any kind of, any, any kind of that. They wouldn't say they worship. Ra- no, well, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Hot <laughs> so, button issue. Here's the thing. <laughs> three oh. of us, three of us are raised Catholic oh, here. <laughs> Stepping on some toes. No, um, it's fine. But toes basically. Toes are not stepped on. Toes are, yeah. In, there in, are no toes anymore. <laughs> the way I was raised, we... We didn't revere Mary as anything more than she was a human and yeah, she yeah. was Jesus's mother. And so to hear her, to hear them compared to her, I'm like, well, she wasn't a goddess. Like she's never been, that's never been told to me before. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, yeah, they're goddesses, but what's that have to do with the Virgin Mary? But right. that's, that's a different. No, I definitely, thing. I definitely, even raised as somebody who was raised Catholic, where we you were, venerate Mary all yeah, the time. Yeah. I still wouldn't compare Mary to any of these powerful godlike characters. Yeah. I mean, when you in say the way that godlike, do you mean the valor, or are you talking about like Eowyn godlike? Well, godlike in the fact that they are semi-magical. I mean, we're talking oh. Galadriel, we're talking uh, Melian, Goldberry. Goldberry. Yeah, I mean Arwen. They are they're all kind of magical. I does he like venerate them like he does venerate like a like a Catholic would venerate Mary? But also, I mean, I guess. But like you're gonna sort of like you said earlier, if you're looking for that stuff, you're gonna find it. But also, you know? that them are fighting words too, because you just said Mother Mary and magic in the same sentence. Right. And I feel exactly. like people, everybody oh. that reveres Mary talks about her because she was blessed by God and because she had faith. See, she was it. not magic, and so, so it's exactly. you start. It's like where do you draw the line? I don't know. I uh, I just had a um, a really good conversation about uh, Tolkien and religion with our friend uh, Eric Fleischer on uh, shout out to you name bro Eric name I, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. If I didn't, I'm sorry. But we had a, a good conversation about how um, a lot of Christians see Tolkien as uh, as a religious allegory, and we don't really see it that way. And uh, Tolkien didn't either. So that's funny because <laughs> when we were reading it um, in my book club, there were a couple times where I said, like, oh, this is a story from the Bible. And the girls were like, what? And then I'd start to say it. They'd be like, stop. 
Like we want it to be its own thing. And I was like, yeah. but also if you're looking for it, you will find, find it. it. Because yeah. you can do the same thing with Harry Potter. There's a whole right, there's a whole podcast about it right now. So like Yeah. Like well this is it's a reflection of who the author was. And the yeah. author was very Catholic. So yeah. like and, and and you know had had these uh the Catholic legendarium at his at his uh disposal. So obviously yeah, it's gonna come out. But also how many news stories can you think of before you start recycling some of the same ones? Right. So so another little fun excerpt from another professional, a woman by the name of Maureen Thumb, the director of the honors program at University of Michigan, Flint. Um, she points out that Tolkien's females reverse the tale of Eve from the story of Adam and Eve, uh, whose weakness, passivity, and inability to resist temptation led to the fall. And when I say the fall, I mean like the formal version of the fall of man, the original sin. Mm-hmm. In Tolkien's tales, the destruction of paradise is not brought about by a woman, but by a male figure. Instead of playing a negative role, uh, a female character by the name of Yavanna and Varda are the creators and givers of light and life, rather than Eve, who more or less ruined arguably ruined it. Yeah. Damn it. I ah. thought that was cool, because I had never really thought about them as like reverse Eve characters. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Although I think that the trope of being life givers is very feminine because, you know, they give birth and all that stuff. So I feel like associating women with care, nurture, life giving is is pretty common, I think. Look at me. I'm the one that chose some of these excerpts, too. So, <laughs> But that is a... I mean, it goes it, back to the same biblical thing. Of it's reflecting the person. I'm a man, and I'm the one that chose these. So I guess yeah. this is this is starting to make sense to me. We're starting to learn. We're, going we're learning a lot in this episode, guys. But Whoa. this is this is interesting too because you could pick this apart. The destruction of paradise is not brought about by a woman, but by a male figure. And you you're like, yeah, I mean, that's cool because there's evil dudes. But I think he did that because he forgot that women existed. You know what I mean? Like he just <laughs> right. It's not because he he, he thought was like, oh. men were more evil than women in this yeah. instance. Yeah, he's but like, I'm gonna do women a favor and not make them the bad guy this time. He's just like writing all these bad guys, and he's like, oh yeah, mm, I need a good girl. Oh, you know, hmm. and he throws us in. So I, I that happens a lot where I'm like, oh, well, at least this didn't happen. It's like I think he just forgot about us. Yeah, and like even in the sense of like being caring and nurturing, like Nienna, the. You know, valor of sorrow and weeping. Like, I don't think he'd ever write a male in that role. No. Like, that is the Some very... dude that just cries <laughs> no. all the time. No, he would just never <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> Some grown man just sitting there blubbering the whole time. I love that idea. It's definitely not as sexy. <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's the whole point is that's why it was a female. Nienna is a female and she's supposed to be the the nurturing one who cares for things and she feels very deeply about them to the point of feeling so much sorrow. Mm-hmm. So according to Veronica Kasnowitz from University of Bialtuk, which I'm sure is in Poland, argued the story of the Ents emphasizes the value of marriage and provides advice on proper relationships between the spouses. In the distant past, the Ents and the Entwives parted their ways because the former wanted to take care of the trees while the latter preferred to plant gardens. Eventually, the two groups got separated for good, and by the time of the War of the Ring, the Ents cannot find any trace of their mates without whom they are doomed to extinction. Thus, the tale offers a clear warning. A lack of mutual understanding between spouses can lead to separations that will be detrimental for both sides. What do you think of that? Sure. I mean, I think it's one of those things you can make it what you want it to. Uh, I was going to say, duh. 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 Hmm. Well, it's just, it's like, oh, if you don't stay in touch with your spouse, you're not going to have a good marriage. And it's like, that's every relationship in your life. 
if you don't foster it, nothing's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it was at the point where the ants just straight up lost their wives. Mm-hmm. What about <laughs> they them dwarf, dwarf wives, though? They don't even know where they were anymore. Huh? We were dwarf females? Where are they? That's one thing that I wanted to find out more information about for this episode, and there is just not much information just about nothing. dwarf women out there. It's really sad. I love the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Hey, guys, guess what's in the pipe? Joel's going to be, I'm going to make him write this whole episode himself, too. <laughs> We're going to do an episode about the dwarves, guys. It's finally come. Woo! Yeah, Joel's super excited about it. That's coming up. I am, because yeah. I get to learn a lot. Yeah, me too. I'm Stoked, man. Can't wait for it. You sound really excited right now. I love the dwarves. They're they're cool. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess you'll appreciate them more <laughs> after the episode. <laughs> well, that's about everything we've got for you today, guys. Um, we wanted to sign off with a fun fact. This made me I, super laugh when I heard it. This made me angry, and it made me laugh. So at one point, the filmmakers had actually planned to have Arwen actively participate in the Battle of Helm's Deep, where we know that there already weren't supposed to be any elves at all. Let alone friggin' Arwen. <laughs> Let alone Arwen, <laughs> yeah. Like, while it would be cool to see Arwen kick some ass, there's, I don't know, have her show up at Pelennor Fields with her brothers. Wouldn't that be cool? What if that's what they should have done, is just had her ride with the Dunedain down south? That would have been badass. Yeah. That, if anything, that's where I would imagine she would have been. Yeah. She's with her brothers and her and her and her uh her betrothed. Right. Yeah. Would have been cool to see her sing some songs like Luthien and take some peeps down. Oh, what if she put everybody to sleep? Yeah. And then she sent her water horses and then they all drowned. <laughs> I wonder whatever happened to Luthien's cloak. I don't know. Maybe it's some weird artifact somewhere. Maybe mm-hmm. it's one of those lost artifacts that will turn up somewhere. Because yeah. I mean what? They retired in Osirian, which is Technically, technically su- survived. It's still around in the form of Lindon. Somebody could find that shit. I bet Kirdan has it. That's what I was gonna say. He oh. totally has that. There's shit. any doubt, Kirdan oh, has it. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He totally would probably be the keeper. Of stupid question, Joel. Kirdan, of course. Oh my god, I guess I'm just full of stupid questions today. Dumb motherfucker, da da. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's been really fun. Uh, we want to thank our guests again, Megan and Claire. Thanks, guys. Thanks thank so much. You. Thank you. Can I do a quick little shout out? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to thank uh, the girls from my book club, Shelby, Katie, and Mallory, and also my really good friend, John, who have spent hours and hours talking to me about this stuff and making me sound semi-eloquent this time. So yeah. <laughs> You always got to yeah. thank the people that listen to your bullshit, right? And are just as interested, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they actually aren't just like being nice. My husband, God bless him, but I'll be like, well, what do you think about this? And he's like, is that... Is that Harry Potter or is it? And I'm like, oh, that's okay. That's he's okay. Just, he's too far behind. It just doesn't. It doesn't really <laughs> care, you know. That's all so, right. Then it's it's fine. But yeah, then there's people who are like, but actually, and I'm like, oh yes. Yeah. And those are my people. So the but actually people. The but actually people. <laughs> Anything to say, Claire? Thanks, mom, for birthing me. And Lu- Lucy's yeah, a very and lovely, me too. Yeah. very nice. Lady she did birth here. both of us. Yeah, she birthed the whole hell of you, a hell of lot of you guys. Yeah, she pushed me out right after her. There's how many, right? You guys got a lot of. There's uh, there's eight of us. Yeah, there's eight, Ooh. eight of us kids. What a woman, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we all watched the cartoons together. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's everything we got for you today, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Joel N. And I'm Danny J. And as always, guys, keep on talking. Keep on talking. Keep on talking. Keep on talking. Aure in Tuluva.